0: Hello, hello. Welcome to At Home with the Intuitive Cook, the podcast giving a voice to everyday home cooks like you and me. Join me around the kitchen table as we chat about finding cooking ease and inspiration beyond rules and recipes and the noise of celebrity chef culture. It's not rocket science. It's just dinner. Hello, hello. This is At Home with the Intuitive Cook. That's me, Katerina Pavlakis. And my guest at my kitchen table today is Lauren Halberstadt. Lauren was born and raised in South Africa, now living on Australia's Gold Coast, just south of Brisbane. She's a graphic designer, with a passion for guiding entrepreneurs on their branding journey in the most creative way possible. And we do agree on one thing at least and that is that recipes and design templates only get in the way when the mind just wants to be free to create. Welcome to the podcast, Lauren. I feel like it's been a long time coming, you know? Yes, I think I feel the same. (laughs) It's very exciting. I found that we have quite a lot of very similar approaches to things. Kind of our approach to life then reflects itself in our work, then reflects itself in our cooking. And it's quite fascinating yeah. that. Yeah, no, that, that, that is
1: just so true. I think this whole intuitive approach to whatever we do is super exciting. You yeah. know, we can just apply it to what we do. It just spices things up. It adds so much more flavor. <laughs>
0: Tell me more about that. How how do you find that an intuitive approach is, is spicing things up? For me, as in my work. Uh, yeah, in your work, in your
1: kitchen, whatever. Yeah. Okay. It's it's just I find that being bound by rules, recipes, templates, design templates, you know, that kind of thing. It's so inhibiting. And it kills creativity really if you're told, oh, you've got to do this step next and that step next, or you've got to, you know, with this design template, you've got to put that there and do this here and blah, blah, blah. You don't have control over the outcome because it's already set for you, you know. And so, therefore, the creative mind just kind of sits in the backseat and goes, oh, well, it's already set. I don't really need to spark fire and whatnot. Yeah, you kind of land up, the result is um, a bit like everybody else's. So, you know, the design template, you know, you might use a different photograph or different words or different colors, but your work is still going to look the same as somebody else that used the same template. And it's the same with the recipe. If you follow the recipe step-by-step, your food is going to come out exactly the same as somebody else's food. And it's just a shame that we feel like, I don't know, it's almost like people feel that you should be doing it via a template or via a recipe so that it is almost like a success, like you, you're kind of guaranteed to have it a success. But to me, in my, in my opinion, that's not a success because where's your creativity come out? Where are you showing you in what you're doing? you know, with regards to cooking and, you know, me getting into the kitchen, you know, if I just follow um, my own feeling for the day, like, you know, what do I feel like eating first of all, or what's in my fridge or, you know, that kind of thing and just go it intuitively, I'm always surprised. I know that you've said it before that you don't always know the outcome of what you're going to be cooking because it kind of comes along the way. And that, that's just amazing to me, like I love that, really do. And you also don't have to worry too much about the dish not working or being a success because if you are pouring your heart and soul into whatever you're cooking or whatever you're creating, it's going to be a success, like
0: I, I have no doubts. So that's my approach. Yeah, it's interesting that I find that I never worry about the outcome of my cooking and it invariably is tasty. So I never worry about that. But then there are other areas of work where I don't have that confidence. It could be, you know, designing some Instagram images or it could be, you know, trying to figure out what the correct next step in my business is or these things where I'm I am actually getting tripped up by all these templates, rules, whatever you want to call, and, and and I really worry about doing it wrong. And I find this very funny that I can't translate that confidence, you know, the trust in myself and that I know what I'm mm. cooking to, to other areas. Mm. I, I find this quite interesting. At least I'm aware of it now how I, it doesn't translate yet for yeah. me, but this is definitely something I want to keep practicing yeah. to, to translate that confidence and that trusting mm. it, to other areas of yeah. life, not just the cooking.
1: I think what really helps, though, is um, having a kind of basic knowledge. So, you know, w- in the kitchen, you have a basic knowledge of how the herbs add flavor and basic... Like, Let's say we cook the onions first and then, you know, you add the protein and fry that up and then like kind of basic steps that you can then broaden creatively to create different things and, you know, swap in different ingredients and and that kind of thing. So, you know the basics in the kitchen, you know them really well. And that's probably when it comes to design, you're second guessing yourself. You're kind of thinking, do I really know enough of the basics to be able to put together something, you know, to bring in the confidence? Because it's got so much to do with confidence, really. If you you are 100% confident in the kitchen and, and that comes out in your work, but with design and that kind of thing, you are second guessing yourself. And so the confidence is not up there. And so therefore it takes longer as well. And then you you come with a final thing and you go, hmm, I don't know whether this is really good. I mean it might be really, really good, but I think it's I think it's got a lot to do with confidence and just having like basic grounding. And then
0: you'll be a for away. And I I think maybe this is where our work is quite similar that we help people to get that basic grounding you know i do that with with cooking and and showing people that the patterns and the concepts behind the recipes as you said you know you start with the onion and and then that's your next step and you have these three steps and then that's where you can play and swap and and try new things mm-hmm. within and i guess this is what you are teaching your students in their realm of of design mm-hmm to give them that grounding so that they can then have the confidence to be creative. Right? Exactly.
1: Exactly. Because ultimately I, uh, I really don't want them to feel like they can't do it themselves. And, you know, I I see it, I've seen it with quite a few of my students. As soon as it clicks and they go, Oh, it's like a light bulb moment. Oh, it's, you know, it's something that just springs out to me at the moment is like, composition. So I've designed my own grids where people can overlay those onto a, a design and then it helps them to place a text and a photograph or all in relation to each other. And as soon as they have that grid there and they go, wow, this is helping me to provide the, the, the basic composition guide to be able to Place my elements where I want them to be to be assured that at the end of the day it's it's going to look nice. You know, I mean, it doesn't have to look perfect. I really don't encourage that at all. But we do want to have something that's eye pleasing. Otherwise, we're kind of wasting our time. So you know, in the kitchen, we do want to, we want to have something tasty. Otherwise, we're wasting our time. Just having that grid there for them to just go whoop 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 to be able to place the elements. All in relation to each other, so that they're eye-pleasing, really helps. It really gives them that confidence to just take their take their work to the next level.
0: Yeah, and again, you know, it's a parallels with my approach to cooking and what I teach. You know, because once you understand that basic pattern behind all the recipes, well, on the one hand, you can look at any recipe and you see, I mean, ninety five percent of all recipes are based on the same. One pattern, yeah. actually. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. And and once you start seeing that, then actually it becomes really quick yeah. to just throw something together because you are following a pattern. And the same way, whether you want to simplify a recipe by stepping back and finding the pattern or whether you are just, you know, throwing something together with what you have without any recipe, both ways, having that pattern And understanding that very basic structure, you know, it's, as you said, the rule of thirds. Funnily enough, you know, my basic pattern is also based on three steps. Yeah, the magic number three. uh, And kind of approach to life, to cooking. Do you remember how learning cooking? For me, learning cooking, it
1: came when I was kind of in my teens. My mum was a nurse at a hospital and she used to work nights and when she was working nights she would say to me all right well there are the ingredients you'll need to cook tonight for your dad and you and before you know she did give me the kind of basics but you know never really went into you know fancy fancy cooking it was just really comfort food. And, you know, because she wasn't there, I had to just get on with it and kind of teach myself. I also do have very fond memories going really way back of when my grandmother helped teach me various things in the kitchen, but we didn't live in the same city. And it was only when we went on holidays down to Cape Town that uh, we spent time with them. And then she would teach me how to make dough or a cake or it was always sweet stuff it was never anything savory so then all of a sudden when my mom threw me into the, the deep end and said all right it's dinner on you tonight I was like oh hell all right uh what I'm going to do and then it just I kind of just figured it out but it was basic stuff so it wasn't it was like you know make mashed potato and fry the meat and steam the vegetables kind of thing you know wasn't anything too hectic like stews and, and soups and things but yeah so at the end of the day I kind of really taught myself how to do it and when I got married then the pressure was on because oh crumbs now I have to, <laughs> to cook for a husband and uh, yeah fortunately he went to the air force before he met me and he'd gone through military food you know canteen style so The bar was low, and that was really, really great because I didn't feel the pressure. (laughs) But uh, I remember one of my um, kitchen tea presents was a recipe book that was just called The Basics. And this was the, it became my Bible eventually. And I still use it today. It had simple, simple stuff that was just like three steps, three steps (laughs) and uh, it kind of refined what I was doing, yes, but then, you know, as I went on, so the confidence came and I found myself hacking those recipes. I was like, you know, what would happen if or what would happen if I added this or took that away or that kind of thing and uh that was when the creativity started coming alive and uh, my husband would you know sit down to the dinner table and go oh what's this and I'd go oh, it's something something a la Lauren <laughs> and we'd all have a laugh but yeah he would we would all eat it and it'd be great and then um yeah it, it's, been a, it's also been a, like a thing too, to try and get him into the kitchen to come help me as well.
0: So now you, you both cook?
1: Yes, although he will be more like my assistant, let's put it that way. <laughs> you know, I will say, okay, can you do this or do that or, or get me this out of the fridge or clean that or whatever. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of still ruling the
0: roost in my kitchen a bit. <laughs> I find in in, in my house, it's like my husband has taken over like the salad, for example. So he just does the salad and he does dessert, which in our house is usually, you know, very simple sort of stewed fruit (laughs) with cream and cinnamon, whatever. So and I do the sort of the main meal. And and that's great because I usually can't Mm. be bothered to worry about the salad as well as cooking the main meal so it's great that someone else has taken that over and then we sort of don't get in each other's way because I think two people trying to cook at the same time doesn't really work and it would be great if I could remember exactly how the phrase too many cooks
1: spoil the broth is it
0: yeah. Yes, that one, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it definitely does happen in, in my kitchen. Uh, I've, I've noticed with him is when he's uh, cooking a dish that he really loves and I come in and go, well, you know, I can help you, let me do this or that, he gets quite defensive and goes, no, 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 I'm doing it here. It's my turn. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think you learned that from me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see. So, so what, what is it that you enjoy about cooking? I mean, why are you cooking? I mean, a lot of people these days don't cook that regularly anymore.
1: So I think just cooking for me gets me away from my computer, believe it or not. So like during the day, I will go off and cook lunch I love what I love to do is cook a like a, a soup for the week that I will have. You know, I cook a whole bunch, a whole, whole batch of soup. And then for the days following, there's leftovers and I just eat those and I don't have to think about lunch or, you know, at the end of the day to cook dinner. If I wasn't cooking and if I wasn't in the kitchen, where would I be? I would be here at my desk working. When you're on your own, you're always finding things to do, but being forced to get into the kitchen because I've got to eat as well and I've got to cook for the family, it gets me away from my computer. And why is that important? Well, my back just really suffers. If I sit too long, my my, my muscles just go into a cramp. Uh, my doctor says to me, you need move more and you know get up, move around, and don't sit so long at the computer. But- Aye, aye, aye. once I get in once I'm sitting at the computer and getting into designs I can lose myself and just I can sit there for hours and I don't even know that this that the time has passed and then yeah all the trouble starts because then I get up and I was like ooh, that hurts <laughs> but when I when I'm hungry and I have to go and cook then it's a good thing then I'm then I'm moving And also being in the kitchen is good for movement as well. Bending down, picking up, you know, getting things out of the fridge, you know, it's kind of like a whole exercise routine. (laughs) So that for me, cooking is like just, it's good for my health. Not just cooking healthy food, it's just good for me in movement, believe it or not.
0: That's, That's really interesting that you somehow you almost describe cooking as, you know, your break time or your me time. Yeah like therapy. (laughs) I wish more, more people would, would see cooking as, as that rather than this mountain, this chore that you must get in to say, yeah, it is an opportunity to, to have a break and, and just have, you know, some time to, to relax while you are throwing some things in a pot for a tasty meal. Yeah. So I find that too, that, you know, starting to cook is the sort of, okay, I'll finish for the day and now we're gonna, you know, relax, make some food, sit down and enjoy dinner. And that's, yeah. that's the family time yeah. that is okay. work day is over and now the fun starts. That's exactly right.
1: So many people see it as a chore, but for me, it's, um it's a wonderful way of just getting away from the day to day and uh, just getting lost in Good ingredients, wholesome food, things that are really good for the body and and all the rest of it. And it really doesn't have to be hard. Three ingredients can make in the most amazing dish and three steps as well. So yeah, I and I'm all for simplicity as well, just keeping things simple. This is where that crossover with our work as well, you know, just Less is more is my motto. And we really don't need to complicate life with doing too much in design and doing too much in the kitchen. Just keep it
0: simple. So, what are some of the things you are cooking up? What are you eating today or this week? Mm. Well, tonight, because it's actually seven o'clock, just had
1: dinner and I cooked the family favorite of it's a a tomato pasta sauce that I cook from scratch because I can't stand the bottled version and um, tastes synthetic to me. So I grab the tomatoes and garlic and olives and what else goes in there? Um, red pepper. And yes, and so you just chop everything up. I don't like tomato skins though. So I've got to take the, t- the skins off the tomatoes. I boils up the kettle and put the tomatoes in a bowl and throw the w- hot water over them and that helps the skins come off and, and that sort of thing and yeah just make a beautiful tomato pasta sauce from that don't cook too fast because mm. the tomatoes got to get all lovely and pulpy and and mushy and then the garlic infuses with olives and it's just so yummy and it's uh, turned out to be one of my son's favorite dishes that I landed up because he's he's uh living in Brisbane now he's gone off to uni and just before he left for uni about two years ago he came to me and he said mom since I'm going to be living on my own would you be able to teach me how to cook some things and I'm like yes sure no worries oh this was just so wonderful for me being having my son in the kitchen because up until then he was very absent <laughs> And the first thing that I cooked him was this dish, this uh, tomato pasta sauce, because it's just, it's cheap, perfect for student. it's quick, and it's very, very tasty. And then you can just add whatever pasta you want. So whenever I cook it at, at home here as well, whatever's left over, I put in the freezer so that when he comes back to visit, he gets a little gift of, we call it pomodoro pasta sauce and uh, off he goes with his pomodoro sauce (laughs) from back to uni and now his his partner is a firm lover of my my pomodoro pasta sauce now too so the two of them have it together yeah and so that's one dish and then another dish that the soup that I've met decided to make this week is also tomato based and it is with broccolini. Um, I just call it healthy vegetable soup. I am a vegetarian as well. And uh, so this, this soup is also really tasty, just adding carrot and celery and uh, tomatoes. Stock, that is one thing that I really want to get to. Maybe, hopefully, one day when I have the time is to make stock from scratch. Because at the moment, I'm just buying The store bought one. As natural as possible. I always read the ingredients, but yeah, I really want to start making my own stock. And then, what else have I got on the recipe list for this week? Fish. Love fish. So yes, I am. I I said I was a vegetarian, but actually, I, I sneak a bit of fish in there every now and again. So I suppose you call me a pescatarian. I love salmon. And I just grill it in the oven, um, just really simply. I don't like to overcook fish. My husband doesn't like overcooked fish either. So we just have like baked potatoes, salmon, and
0: some broccolini.
1: Do you have broccolini where you live? Like baby broccoli?
0: We tend to have the sort of the tender stem broccoli, which is more like long flowers, not tiny florets. Yeah, yeah, that's it.
1: The long stem that's a long stem. Mm. Yeah, right. yeah, that's they, that's what that's what we call broccolini here. Um it's yeah, the long stem right, with I the
0: see. the little broccoli floret thing on the end. Yeah, yeah. So I think what we that, that we call that tender stem here. Yes,
1: yes. So they use broccolini a lot in Asian food. And living in Australia there's a very definite huge Asian fusion Story going on. And that is one thing that I've learned to love when I've moved here is the my love of Asian flavors, Thai curries or a Japanese ramen. Oh, man, like they are so flavorful. Yeah, we were just talking about my, my daughter's birthday is coming up next week. And we were saying, Where would you like to go for your birthday? Because we always go to a restaurant. And she was like, Oh, I think I feel like a good ramen. And so. Yeah, we've got a favorite ramen restaurant that we go to. So, I do, I cook, I cook a lot of Asian food here at home too, because it's also so simple like just a few ingredients and you've got the most flavorful thing coming out. It's wonderful.
0: Yeah, I love Asian flavors too. I, I think these Asian kitchen traditions, they really have this bold flavor in built. Yeah, and it's not necessarily complicated. I think there is a lot of contrast in there. I, I love the sort of contrast of, of sweet and salty, say, or hot and salty. There is a certain freshness to it as well.
1: Yeah, yeah and they don't overcook yeah. their vegetables either. I love vegetables to still be crunchy when you bite into them. So just a quick, you know, a stir fry, if they're going to stir fry something, it's just a psh psh and then done. Or <laughs> when they do their curries, their sauce is already formed and, and ready, and they just add the, the fresh vegetables to that. so hardly cooked, and it's just so tasty. When you bite into the vegetables and they're still crunchy and sweet, you know? It's just wonderful. Love it.
0: And now, my kitchen friends, it's time for a quick break to see what I've been cooking up for you. If you ever feel trapped by recipes or wish you could get more creative in your kitchen, I made a free mini course. It's called Ditch the Recipes, and it's a short series of five emails that will help you get started on your intuitive cooking journey. Sign up on the website at theintuitivecook.co.uk slash free, or find the link in the show notes. And now, let's get back to our conversation. What is, do you have like a go-to, like emergency meal when you don't have time or you don't fancy cooking? What is the simplest kind of quick thing you've got?
1: Yeah, it probably is and my Pomodoro sauce because I always have those ingredients in my fridge or in my pantry. You know, I'll always have the olive oil and the tomatoes in the fridge and the olives, the bottled olives and that sort of thing. So, yeah, that probably is my emergency meal and also because it's just loved by everybody and it's just so super easy to do. It's like... That's the steps to success. Simple, loved, and have the ingredients ready to go.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, what others in our family think about the meals is really important, isn't it? Mm. That When you are cooking for your family, it's not just about what you want, but also what they want. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's been a, um, a thing for my daughter to get used to because... It was round about the age of 14, I said to her, all right, come on, I think it's time. Time's up for packing school lunches now, for mummy to keep doing it. I think it's time for you to start packing your own school lunches. And it was quite a, it was quite a, le- a lesson for her. So I've got to be healthy, but I've also got to put things in there that I like. <laughs> and uh, didn't always stick to the healthy parts, really gotta say but she got there in the end she's 18 now she's been doing it for four years (laughs) it's finally starting to write home to the stick to the healthy but yeah
0: well I guess this is a learning process we all have to do especially this day and age where it's almost it's more normal to eat the packaged crap Mm. than the other way around you know I noticed earlier you said You know, you made a point about cooking the tomato sauce from scratch Mm. as if it was slightly weird, Yeah, you know, not to use the bottled stuff rather than the other way around, you know. Why do we have to justify why we're not using the bottled stuff? It should be the other way around. Yeah, you're right. You are so
1: right. We're just so conditioned, really. I suppose also we're all busy people, and so when it's already bottled and they're on the shelf to grab... And retired, it's the end of the day. Who really wants to be making a sauce from scratch? But I just can't. I like I, it, it, it's worth it's worth every every um, minute of the ten minutes that it takes me to make that sauce. It's worth every minute to make it from scratch because the flavor is there and um and i and uh, yeah i noticed like with with my daughter that she will in preparing her school lunches she does instinctively reach for the bottled sauce but then the bottled sauce gets probably eaten one of those meals and then it's the rest gets discarded in the fridge because she actually realizes no she doesn't like it and that to me is just terrible because i hate waste you know and so yeah she uh, she's definitely going to need to start learning how to make my sauce
0: <laughs> well, she'll be going off to uni soon as well is she yeah yes
1: yeah she is you know she'll be she'll be realizing the stark truth of cooking at home and the expense <laughs> and the waste
0: yeah, but, you know, spending 10 minutes on making a sauce from scratch isn't really that much time, is it? No, it isn't. Not at all. I
1: mean, people spend hours doing various things. And I don't think it could do that. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, that, and, and that's like getting back to learning stock. You're making it from scratch, yes, but it also doesn't take you long because you would. Do, I would do it in a slow cooker and, you know, you just chop up all the veggies, put them in there, and then throw the water in and then – close the lid and 24 hours later you've got a beautiful stock so yeah that is my next thing I'm going to be definitely doing that
0: yeah it's just a matter of doing it it's not really that it's so complicated and then obviously freezing it for later use
1: yeah I know exactly right actually I think my dog eats better than we do to be honest
0: <laughs> well I can't can't be true
1: <laughs> oh, oh no wait hang on a minute catch Rita I'll tell you why <laughs> So she's, she got glaucoma in her one eye and she lost it. Okay. So the vet said to us, all right, we have to watch the other eye now. And what are you feeding her? Because her diet is playing a major role in her overall health. So I said, all right, well, we're feeding her the usual kibble. And she goes, wrong. I'm like, oh no, what now? She goes, no. We're going to have to put cocoa onto a raw diet and it's going to be only one protein. You can give her vegetables as well so you can decide which protein to give her but it must only be one. Okay, um, I'm going to try kangaroo. Because it's the really the only organic, like certified organic food that you can get cheaper in Australia. So we put on the roux. She went well with the roux. And then the vet said to me, if you can at all make her broth from the roux bones, do that. So I was like, okay, fine. Now this is like, this is pescatarian, this is person that doesn't like me. Like uh. um, anyway, I brought myself to do it because I love my dog to bits. So here I am making this roux broth, carrots, celery, rub bones, and apple cider vinegar and you throw it all into a slow cooker and it does its thing for 36 hours. <laughs> and now she gets broth every day.
0: Now, tell me my dog doesn't eat better than me. <laughs> yeah, that's that's amazing. But yeah, that, that is interesting. In a way, this is for me how I realize all the machinations of the processed food industry. It was through, through my animals as well. Oh. When my cat came to me because she found me yes. and, you know, suddenly I had a cat and three kittens yes. out of the blue. And, and of course, you know, what does a cat eat? Cat food. So I went and bought some cat food, you know, a tin that said cat food on it. Yeah. And to cut a long story short, a few months later, the cat got ill and I was sort of frantically researching things on the internet. And I accidentally came across this idea of cats are carnivores, therefore they need to be eating raw meat because that's what they're designed to be eating. They're not designed to be eating whatever is in that can. Yeah. Yeah or in that kibble
1: yeah
0: and and it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks mm. because until that moment it just had not occurred to me that a cat would eat anything else except something that says cat food on it yeah it never occurred to me that i could give her a chicken wing and that this was actually much better yeah. for her yeah and it just and i realized how brainwashed i was yeah. that it just did not occur to me mm. And and I immediately made also the connection like if I'm so brainwashed about cat food and I didn't even have a cat until, you know, ten years ago. Yeah. So if if it didn't occur to me what how brainwashed will I be about you know human food and what is considered you know normal food to us and this is I think when I started. Yeah. Thinking differently about food and, and sort of realizing all the marketing ploys and all the, yeah the more something is shouting at you that it's healthy, like, you know, apples and carrots don't have a label on it that says it's healthy. You know, apples and carrots just exist. Yeah. It's the other stuff that has labels on them, you know, shouting healthy or good for your heart or low fat or whatever they might be. Yeah. Shouting high fiber or an apple is high fiber too. It doesn't say so mm. on the apples. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, absolutely. Um, there's a, a thing here in Australia, they call the health food rating and it's got like five stars. And if it, food has five stars, it's like really, really healthy. And if it's only got one star, then it's not so healthy. And I am I am amazed. Honestly, when I look at that health star rating, I go, how did you even come to rate this? like you've rated it and just looking at the ingredients and how processed it is. And you are completely right how brainwashed we are because mums will shop according to that health food rating, feeding their children that food, you know? And I'm just like, you really, really need to just wake up, really need to wake up and, and see we are what we eat. And there's the pet food industry too. There's a, there's a huge drive nowadays to steer us away from the highly processed pet food. <laughs> we were looking after a friend of mine who lives just around the corner here, her dog over the weekend, and her dog also suffers from a pancreatitis, and she goes, oh, I've just put... Um, Nala onto a raw kangaroo but I feel she still needs the kibble and I was like why why does she still need the kibble it's the kibble that's killing her you know <laughs> it's just so bad for them kibble and then you've got all of these different scientific pet food companies that are saying this is you know the most healthiest food you can feed your dog and they also sell it through the vets Making you think that it's healthier. Mm -mm -mm.
0: You know, you have that with human food just as well. You know, all this package stuff is killing us too. Yeah. And nobody actually is. You come in my whole food shop if you want to know, if you ask me questions, I'll tell you. But of course, it would be, it would have much more weight if. Their doctor was telling them that you know I'm just a random person in a random shop. It would have so much more weight if doctors were telling people to just simply eat the stuff as it's coming as it's coming out of the ground or off the tree or yeah you know off the field, yeah, but somehow we still all think that this packaged stuff is somehow better because it's formulated by someone. I yeah. mean, it's kind of really, yeah. and and I find it quite funny if you start thinking about pet food or chicken feed, you know, I keep chickens, yeah. you know, the, the, the sort of idea that this pelleted food for chickens that is, of course, full of GM soy and God knows what from the Amazon.
1: Yeah.
0: And somehow we're being told that this is better because it's exactly formulated than letting the chickens roam in the garden and giving them a bit of corn, you know, and actually if you give them the choice, they eat very little of the corn and just go and roam and scratch all over the place.
1: Yeah.
0: They know what's good for them. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And we don't believe that they know what's good for them or your dog actually knows what's... Well, with dogs, you can actually see how the kibble is addictive because given the choice, they will actually eat the kibble. And unfortunately, with humans, it's the same. Given the choice, they'll just go for the addictive crap, which is... You know, it's nothing wrong with you. It's something is wrong with the food. That is the important thing. You know, it's it's nothing to do with willpower or bad habits or being lazy. There is nothing wrong with you if Mm. you find yourself that you can't stop eating that stuff because it's been engineered that way. So the problem is the food, not you.
1: Yeah, yeah, and the problems with the advertisers as well. You know, selling—they've got to make the food seem attractive somehow. So they just tend to say the right things what people want to hear I I really would love to one day have a bigger property where I could grow my own veg I've tried to do it in the garden that we have here but there's not enough sun that comes through on the one side where there's big enough area so yeah but I think just be wonderful to be able to grow my own spinach and tomatoes and you just need the right conditions and a little bit of water (laughs) that's it big
0: wonderful yeah maybe some herbs in the meantime
1: yes yeah actually that's true yeah I could I could grow my own herbs because then you just
0: need little pots yeah well maybe to finish off what are your sort of favorite hacks that you might want to share with other people what's your favorite tips
1: yeah so I wrote some things here um my favorite hacks would be just really swapping out ingredients. You know, if I if I see a recipe out there, invariably I um, well because I'm vegetarian as well and well pescatarian, and uh, might come across a recipe that uh, has meat in it. Then I will switch out the meat for a vegetable or three, and kind of just make it because I, I suppose the meat. You know, if, you, if you're if you doing that with a recipe and, and hacking and taking out the meat, you're still going to expect that kind of meaty taste at the end, if you know what I mean. Um, so the, the trick is to try and bring in so, um, lots of herbs and spices and that sort of thing. And um, as I said to you earlier, I love Asian flavors, so bringing in Asian spices or even... I love harissa. I remember commenting once on one of your posts where I mentioned that I cook with harissa. I love that spice. So, even when a recipe doesn't have a spice or two, because I've taken the meat out and added the vegetables, I add the harissa or other spices or other herbs and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I am, I definitely love to do the old recipe hack every now and again. I, and I never, I am like going to follow a recipe, and in inverted commas, I actually never follow it to the hilt. I'm always switching, swapping, and uh, pulling out and adding, and yeah, so it's always interesting to see how it ends up.
0: <laughs> well, that's what I do too. I, I can't possibly follow a recipe to the letter. I'm always moving things around, but I like recipes for the ideas I get, yeah.
1: Yeah, our our local supermarket puts out a monthly magazine. It's a free magazine, and I always take those because and and flip through those once a month. Um, As you say, just to get the ideas flowing, you're like, oh my goodness, I haven't cooked that kind of dish in a while. So, yeah, I think I'll cook that. But instead of cooking it exactly like they say, I'm going to do this and swap (laughs) and uh, change things up a bit. But yeah, they're good for inspiration. It's like it's like Pinterest in the design world, you know. Nothing like scrolling through Pinterest to get a few design inspiration ideas and use that like recipe books as well in the kitchen.
0: Yeah, that's a great tip to you know to just keep feeding our inspiration because we need to keep feeding our inspiration, whether it's design or cooking. Yeah, we need some input that will get our own creativity excited and then process that inspiration into into something new.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Well, so, like I said earlier, you know, it's, sometimes you're tired or, you know, it's the end of the day, you just don't really feel like cooking. But as soon as you flick through the, the recipe books, you know, things do change and get inspired by something and then run with it, you know, and just see where it lands up don't need to follow it step by step, but just allow to inspire. <laughs>
0: yes. Oh, thank you so much, Lauren, for taking the time to
1: chat. Thank you. It's been wonderful. I've really enjoyed chatting with you about all things creative and um, going with the flow and not being inhibited. So um, yeah, you and I are for sure on the same same wavelength here. And uh, it's wonderful to be able to uh, just have a heart-to-heart conversation about things. It's been great. Thank you. Yes, it's been
0: really enjoyable. So thank you very much. Thanks for joining us for this episode of At Home with the Intuitive Cook. Check out the show notes for links and tasty morsels. And remember, fresh episodes are served up every other Friday. Subscribe to stay tuned and keep exploring the joys of everyday cooking. Until next time, stay curious, trust your taste and don't forget, it's not rocket science, it's just dinner.